Hello and welcome back to the Film Week Podcast. I'm your host Serge Barrett. And I am Patrick. And this is our continuation of Attack of the 90s Summer Blockbusters. And we are continuing with the highest grossing movie of 1994, the highest grossing traditionally animated movie of all time, The Lion King. Patrick, would you like to know what happened when... Uh, Do I? <laughs> the Lion King was released. So I swear by All for One is number one on the charts. What? <laughs> you know, I swear. Oh. By them, that's number one. Okay. It will be for, I think, like five weeks. Of this uh, Rancid just released their second album okay. on my birthday. My second birthday. Oh, uh, the the Friday before uh, Lion King's release. Uh, OJ got a little chase in a Bronco. So that happened. The Houston Rockets have just won the NBA championship. South Africa reclaimed its seat in the United Nations. Someone took it. What? Someone took it. I, I, I guess. Hey, bring him back. Come on, Korea. You have, you have really... It's so comfortable. Like, I don't care, dude. You're not, that's my, it has my name on it. Oh, come on. It's a captain's chair. I want the captain's chair. Can you two just stop and just get the chair? I have the captain. <laughs> Damn. Uh, the, it, I had to scratch for oh, shit. I'm sorry. Uh, the Computer Games Developers Association is for you know, the international game uh ESRB. No, not the ESRB. It's a collection of developers and creatives within the gaming industry to come together and share ideas. But all that doesn't matter because Lion King is on theater. But do you know who Lion, what Lion King's competition was? It was the biography Wyatt Earp starring uh-huh. Kevin Costner and, believe it or not, directed by Lawrence Kasdan. Uh, but we all know that Tombstone is the better movie. Because that one has Kurt Russell. Not Kevin Costner, who's bland in every goddamn scene. Hey, how's it going? I'm Wyatt Earp. <laughs> Could you imagine Tombstone, in which it's Kevin Costner as Wyatt Earp? No, because fucking Kevin... Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Kevin Costner. He's, like, <laughs> he's white bread. He wouldn't be able to do that, the scene of like Kurt Russell with the shotgun. No! Kurt Russell is just Badass. charismatic and energetic and everything he's usually in. Kevin Costner would just be like, no. <laughs> Kevin, ju- n- I was. I'm directing Waterworld. I don't care. <laughs> he directed Waterworld. Kevin Costner. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> Remember Waterworld? I don't like to. I, uh, we should re- review it one day. We're not gonna. No, review. I don't want to. We could review the stunt show. Okay. Hell I yeah. heard that's good. It is. <laughs> it really is. All right. The Lion King. Enough of that bullshit. The Lion King is a 1984 American animated epic musical film, as Wikipedia likes to describe it. It's also the 32nd Disney animated feature. Could. This time we'll get it right. <laughs> <laughs> it, they tried to do something else with it. Oh, God. It could have been the 33rd if they allowed The Nightmare Before Christmas to be the 32nd. Technically, it is. Night Before Christmas was in was in production and was going to be part of the Disney canon. But they said that it, the images were a bit too scary for children and released it through Touchstone instead. No, but they still like to make money off of it, don't they? Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, and it is also the fifth animated feature produced during the period known as the Disney Renaissance, which is something we're both very familiar with. Yes, me and you grew up in it. Yes, Little Mermaid, Rescuers Down Under counts in that. Beauty and Beast, Aladdin, Lion King, Pocahontas, Hedgehog of Notre Dame, Mulan. Mulan. And then I think it ends with Tarzan, right? Uh, Hercules. Shit, Hercules is 97 before Mulan, and then it ends with Tarzan. Even though I consider kind of like the first part of it more of the Renaissance and more just like it. Oh, that's all. I, I only see the first, like, what? So I see, in my opinion, it's Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame, and then I think Lion King? No, Aladdin. Aladdin. Lion Aladdin. King. Well, I'm not going by chronological, but like Aladdin and then Lion King. I think those five are definitely the Renaissance. And then everything else is kind of like post-Renaissance. That's how mm-hmm. I see it. 
Plus Renaissance, they, the company, and most people don't consider uh, that until after Tarzan. I would see Tarzan as post-Renaissance. Tarzan is getting to that post-Renaissance era, because that's when we start getting, like, Fantasia 2000 and Dinosaur and uh, Emperor's New Groove, Atlantis, all that. It's more the experimental thing. And, all, to be honest, some of the under, most more underrated stuff. Because mm-hmm. Atlantis is fucking amazing. Yeah, apparently there's a... I was reading this. It's, like, a new term that's coming up with, like, newer Disney people. Is that era is no longer post-Renaissance. It's called the experimental era. Because that's where they just try... They're throwing shit at the wall. It's seeing what sticks. Because they're still having to compete with these like other major animation studios that came out of nowhere. Yeah, they, they're not totally turning into CGI until Chicken Little comes out. And that wouldn't be until I've 2006. I've seen Chicken Little, but I don't remember anything of it. Isn't Good. Like Braff Chicken Little? We don't talk about it. Uh, <laughs> anyway, this film features original songs written by the homie Elton John. There's mm-hmm. this Tim Rice and true romance favorite Hans Zimmer. If you remember in that episode how we talked about the xylophones, marimbas, and all that shit? Yeah. This is the movie where it's supposed to be in? <laughs> it's the one where he, he actually turned in the cassette on the right one. Because <laughs> yeah. this one is Lion King. <laughs> <laughs> the score for True yeah, Romance is the score for the Lion King. <laughs> Here he goes. <laughs> do, 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 do. The, the director for True Romance is like, Tony Scott's like, I don't remember this being the music. <laughs> he told me it was going to be kind of edgy and cool. And then he watches like, huh. <laughs> Wait a second. That's my music. This film, of course, it takes place in the kingdom of li- lions in Africa and is influenced by William Shakespeare Hamlet. Yes. And if you see the rest of the series. Oh, second- Hamlet, 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 <laughs> Hamlet, Hamlet. <laughs> the, the second movie of this franchise is Romeo and Juliet, and of course, Lion King one and a half is Rosencrantz and Gilda Stern are dead. Also has a rare vocal, like outside of the Simpsons vocal appearance by Julie Kavner. Really? She plays Timon's mom, dude. It's like super weird because like you're watching the movie. Yeah, Julie Kavner hasn't done anything outside of Simpsons since like the original show that they were on. The uh... Tracy Ullman. Yeah, Tracy Ullman. Like... Yeah, because like she doesn't even need to. She's like, no, like when when I saw Lion King one and a half, I was like. I recognize that voice, and then it hit me halfway. I was like, it's Marge Simpson. What the hell? But this uh, film itself features a wealth of people that you love. Matthew Broderick. That's a lot of fish. Jeremy Irons as Scar. Crisp, yeah. Yeah. Rowan Atkinson as Zazu. Mm -hmm. Nathan Lane as Tavone. Ernie Sabala as Pumbaa. Robert... Uh, Gillamay, May, rest of your soul, and I totally fucked up your name. Uh, as Rafiki, JTT as Young Simba. That's Jonathan Taylor Thomas for any Younger. normal person. <laughs> any normal. Who the fuck calls him JTT? Uh, the nineties. No, they didn't. <laughs> they said Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Don't look at me. I'm older than you. I have seniority. You asshat. <laughs> this, Bitch, try to give me attitude. This whole thing was worth it. Do you say I have seniority? <laughs> Uh, Whippy Goldberg, Cheech Marin, Jim Cummings, the late Match Sinclair, and who else did I miss? James Earl fucking Jones. Yeah, you almost forgot. Mufasa himself. Ooh, say it again. <laughs> uh, Darth Vader, the voice of CNN. <laughs> CNN had a voice? Yeah, it was James Earl Jones. Now it's just a little ticker tape thing. <laughs> it's James Earl Jones, like, narrating the whole ticker tape. <laughs> Can you slow it down? <laughs> Can you slow it down? I can only read so much. Oh, God. This movie was released, as we said, actually was released in limited, in a limited run on June 15th, 1994 in Hollywood, California at the Al Capitan Theater. Do you think that's because they didn't expect it to do so well? No, they were doing a test, uh, like not a test run. They were doing a summer fest at Hollywood to release it for a week uh, there. And it, it believe they had their B team working on this one. Yeah. And if you, I think it was also released in New York at the same time. Oh, I could look really quick about that. Released in Hollywood and I think some parts of New York, like Radio City. It, during its one week run before re- getting released wide, it made one mil. Oh, wow. Just the, what, the one week? Yeah. This movie would, was on a budget of $45 million. And when this thing opened, ended up grossing, going on to gross $766 million. Holy shit, almost made a billion? Yeah. During its entire run, it grows 766. Then, if you add in the re-release of the IMAX re-release back in the early aughts and the 3D re-release from 
of 2011, I think. Uh, it now has a box office total of 968.5 million. And then, the, not to mention the shit ton of money that it's made, like franchise-wise, like with merchandising and stuff. Oh yeah, uh, at the end of 1984, Disney earned approximately one billion with the products based off the film. Jesus Christ! And then two- it's amazing that it's amazing that they didn't burn that series into the ground. Oh, <coughs> like Frozen. Mm, they have similar wavelengths. Yeah, yeah, but. I don't know. I I definitely hold. Yeah, well, one is well, Lion King doesn't get a fucking theatrical sequel, which really pisses me off. But they made two hundred and fourteen million on Lion King toys during Christmas '94 alone. I did not get one, at least none that I can remember. I did have a little Simba like just plastic toy that I remember having. I think I had a stuffed animal, and like the sing along video, and then the VHS. I had the sing-along video, but it, but it was just, I can't, uh, I just can't wait to be king. <laughs> I remember when it took nearly a year to get movies on video. I remember when that first change was King Kong. Yeah. It was like, it was six months, and I was like, oh, this shit's already out. Yeah, and now it's like three months. I mean, you were, you were talking about earlier, Black Panther's still in theaters in some places, and it's just going in a, re- it's just about to get released digitally. Yep, and Disney's actually the one that started that trend. Can you, do you know what movie was the first one to do the three months? Frozen. Alice in Wonderland. Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, I know. <laughs> what a shitty I, one. Well, I always just see it as like the shittier ones would get released faster. Because yeah. they just want to get rid of it. That's how I always saw but it. But then Disney started to turn like, no, 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 we got to do it. So this movie. Oh, shit, sorry. Oh, it's okay. This movie was released on VHS in on March 3rd, 1995. Huh. That's when it used to take almost a year, children. <laughs> And it ended up uh, becoming the quickest selling tape and best selling tape of all time with uh, 4.5 million VHSs sold in the first day. Then would uh, go on to uh, sell 30 million. Fuck. So this movie was a fucking monster and I know it was a fucking monster. And of course there was the, this launched its fucking franchise because we got the Timon and Puma cartoon show. I vaguely I have vague memories about that. We also had if you got the uh, if you got the VHS I think of Tom and Huck or went to go see Tom and Huck in the theater you got a uh, Timon and Pumbaa singing "Stand by Me" in an anime short. Oh yeah, <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, the show itself went ran for three seasons and had eighty five episodes from nineteen ninety five to nineteen ninety nine. Did they actually have Nathan Lane and uh, the guy who played Pumbaa in that? No, only uh, the guy who voiced Pumbaa came back yeah i think dan i feel like dan cast on a lot of no it was a quentin flynn and kevin shown oh they okay in 1998 the sequel simba's pride was released which is about his daughter kira yeah i I have my only okay so the one memory was like okay this this line that looks like scar is kind of cool and he's not evil even though he looks like scar and what the fuck is andy dick doing here and oh my god the andy dick line dying is kind of dark did you know Andy Dick kill for Hartman? <laughs> yes, I do know that Andy Dick kill for Hartman. Oh Jesus! Oh, and it's just Well, he the... gave his wife. He gave Phil Hartman's wife the drugs. Yeah, in... and then she killed Phil Hartman. <laughs> oh yeah, me saying the truth is better than you just going. Andy Dick killed somebody. So so far we have Matthew Broderick, Andy Dick. Did you just want to accuse Andy Dick so you can bring up our our accusation list? Yeah. <laughs> Matthew Broderick, Andy Dick. Who else do we got? John Landis. Uh, uh, Robert Blake. <laughs> Robert Blake. There we go. Um, in 2004, the aforementioned uh, Lion King One and a Half was released, in which they also um, they sh- it shows how Timon and Puma met, and also retcon some certain things in the movie. I also think it's kind of clever that they did call it One and a Half. They're like, oh yeah, it's in between the two movies, so yeah, it's One and a Half. Like I, mm. I, I when I first saw the trailer, I was like. What the hell are they going to call this one? Like, Timon and Pumbaa's big... It's like one and a half. I was like, oh, okay. That it also actually... features, like... It also feels really like MST3K at times. Because they're poking fun at it, right? Because they're in, they're watching the movie, but they're, like, in a theater setup, and they could pause it randomly at any time. Okay. And you said it was okay, right? It just has its moments? It's okay, yeah. You, you don't really have to watch it. It's I mean, fun, it's though. It's not like I'm going to be interested in the story. The ending... I can't, I can't wait the to The ending hear the... is kind of a fuck you, though. Because, um... You're, you're enjoying the setup of them watching it in a theater and then it's like oh we can watch the whole thing again and it's like oh how are we gonna watch the whole thing again well we just 
go to the beginning and then peter pan shows up mickey shows up in the theater and every other disney character that you kind of like shows up like tigger shows up in the theater yeah in silhouettes tell like going like we're gonna watch it all together in a party he's just like this is some cynical shit <laughs> like how is it cynical it just feels weird like it, it it just felt like weird but it felt more like i think what they were going for is that i think they're gonna watch disney from the beginning yeah i think the other thing they were going for is that since it was made around the same time House of Mouse existed. I had a feeling. I was like, that, yeah. was like, that sounds very House of Mouse to me. House of Mouse is a fucking good show. It was. It was really good. And also, I think, I know they had like new shorts, but I also, did they, didn't they show like old shorts? Yeah, them? they did. The um, ones that weren't racist. Whew. <laughs> uh, in 2014, the show on the Disney uh, Junior Channel, The Lion Guard appeared, which is uh, geared towards that the That was like Pride of the Lion or something like that. I think you're right. I think you're right. The TV film that began it was called The Lion Guard Return of the Roar. Where did the roar go? <laughs> I think I think that's a, a novel right there. Where did the roar go? It's like a picture of Simba. By Hemingway. <laughs> <laughs> I was on the Savannah Desert drinking my bourbon. <laughs> I noticed her prowling through the tall grass. Oh, oh god and as this time of recording uh, we got the remake coming up in 2019 is it a remake or is it just a, re- a reimagining <sighs> yeah, well john favreau is doing it and someone else someone different after the, jungle book i trust john favreau someone else is writing the script so it's not straight up apparently elton john has signed up for the project to rework his musical <laughs> compositions for oh the you want to pay me for the same song i sang like 20 years ago fuck it okay and uh i need me a new suit anyways Lion King is no stranger. Also, trust me, we're going to get to the review, but there's a lot of shit about the Lion King. It went on to have a video game. Not going to get into it. We already got into it on tangent. That was released in December 94 by Westwood Studios, the people that made like King's Quest. Uh, there was also a Timon and Puma game. And of course, uh, they appeared in the Kingdom Hearts franchise in Kingdom Hearts 2, in which Scar gets lightning powers and fire powers. Well, that makes sense. No. <laughs> uh, I mean, of course, because... He's a lion. Oh, because of the lightning that hits the pride rock and then the fire that happens? That's dumb. (laughs) You go talk to Square Enix. (laughs) I will. They're on the way to LAX. They have a building. I'll go talk to them right now. And, of course, the theater adaptation, which got released in 1987. I actually have been really wanting to watch that because I I heard it's really good. And they also appeared a shit ton in the Disney parks. I remember the Lion King parade that happened. Um, this movie itself was in production. It was considered the B movie. Pocahontas was supposed to be the like Disney's big thing, but uh, yeah, Pocahontas was supposed to be like the big next step, like another Beauty and the Beast, and it isn't. But that's turns out when you appropriate another culture, the culture doesn't respond well to it, and other people can sense that shit. Yeah, and also if you're premiering the movie in Central Park, that shit's weird. They had like a big premiere of like Pocahontas in Central Park. To be in nature, but in Central Park, New York. See, what I failed to mention, and most people will know, if you know about Disney in the 90s, you also know about its president, Michael fucking Eisner. I've heard mixed reviews. Very mixed reviews. And uh, Lion King, if you... There's a great documentary out there called Waking Sleeping Beauty, and they talk about the Lion King. So Lion King B-Team, B-Movie, did it wasn't supposed to be a musical. It started off as a movie called King of the Jungle. It was supposed to be a straightforward son... Does this be like a comedy or something like that? No, it's just supposed to be a straightforward thing. In first, when it first began, there was supposed to be no dialogue or anything, and oh, then really? it just evolved from there. The other thing, though, is that this is the last movie that's made that's really made with like Katzenberg kind of having his hands in it. Then we have Thomas Schumacher, who was a president of Disney Animation. He is now president of Walt Disney Theatrical Productions. So he's the one running stuff like Frozen and like Mary Poppins and all that. Right. That's his home now. But you could tell that there's like towards after this movie's done and the marketing's there, you could tell that this is when Disney starts to go like into that period where it's more marketing and getting it out there. More than so than before. Because now they're coming into all this money because outside because the eighties was fucking hell for them. Yeah, that was like a big struggle for them, right? Yeah. And then during the production of this, I th- believe they're Another C, the CEO or another president, Frank Wells, dies in a helicopter crash. Oh shit! Seriously? Uh, yeah, no fucking around. Like it, he has a dedication at the end of the Lion, uh, Lion King movie. Oh, 
I didn't know that. Yeah. And I had no idea about the CEO. I've never I don't I don't hear a lot of things talk about him. He was kind of the he was kind of like sometimes he could be like the voice of reason. But this is also the part time where like Roy uh Roy E Arroyo's son and Walt's nephew were kinda of, was kinda of like butting heads with Eisner. Yeah, Roy E. Disney, who's the nephew of Walt Disney, was trying to take back the company because he felt that it strayed too far from his uncle's vision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is to a point, yeah, it has. Especially now, I would say. It, extremely now. But you could feel like there was passion put into this project and it's beautiful and done and all that, but you could tell this is where like everything's going like money, 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 mm-hmm. money, money. Which not only affects the movies, it also affects the Disney parks, but that's its own thing for another fucking day or another that's time. That's a tangent of its own. That's a tangent of its own, because I could... That's a can of fucking worms. However, Lion King is, like, super impactful to that and, like, set the standard in Disney that they could go beyond just, like, fairy tales and stuff that they can do with... Like, they could do more than that, but... They could do semi-original? Semi-original, yeah. And they could venture off into different facets. Which is why I think it was like when they started going into more like doing like stuff like Mulan or getting into like their experimental phases. Like yeah, Little like Treasure Stitch. Planet and yeah, and like they they had the gall to do it because well one they're Disney and you can expect that. I'm glad they did those movies. Mm-hmm. Like I think I like those movies more than I like some of the Renaissance movies. Yeah. So enough of that because we spent 25 minutes so far <laughs> just on the intro, uh-huh. but Lion King's a lot to get into. He said it was a short movie. No, but like franchise wise, <laughs> like what it does for Disney is Blows it up. fucking insane. So you will listen to the trailer finally. And we will come back with our thoughts on The Lion King. connected in the great circle of life. Walt Disney Pictures presents its all-new 30-second full-length animated motion picture, The Lion King. He was born to rule. This will all be mine? Everything the light touches. Wow. But a shadow lies over the kingdom. I will be king. Run away and never return. Hey, what's in you? I don't want to talk about it. He looks blue. I'd say brownish gold. No, no, no. I mean, he's depressed. Anything we can do? Not unless you can change the past. He grew up hoping to leave his old life behind. I know who you are. You're Mufasa's boy. You're the king. King? Have you got your lions crossed? You know my father? Correction. I know your father. He died a long time ago. Nope. Wrong again! <laughs> He's alive! And I'll show him to you! Father? You are my son, and the one true king. You see, he lives in you. You must take your place in the circle of life. Simba! It's a legendary tale filled with excitement, plus dozens of wonderful new characters. Why do I always have to save you? Ah! And featuring original music and songs by Grammy winner Elton John and Academy Award winner Tim Rice. This summer, Walt Disney Pictures presents an entertainment event you'll never forget. The trailer of the Lion King, and we um, do you hear that? Yeah, that fucking bird is keeping me up for like a week. Do you want me to give it to a pride of lions so they could make just, it their, send it their grand duke? <laughs> Hello, I don't know if it's gonna come on the mic, but there's a fucking mockingbird like right on top of my house, and he won't shut the fuck up. You have to get Boo Radley to, <laughs> you know, I, I said that to someone, I was like, Oh, there's a mockingbird up my, outside my house. He goes, do you know how to kill a mockingbird? I was like, are you making that joke on purpose? He's like, yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I went, would say in an actual character, okay? <laughs> so The Lion King. Lion King. Is a spectacular piece of animation. 
I would have been amazed if you said a spectacular piece of crap. Because <laughs> that seems to if be- you if you had said that. I was like, oh, you're full of shit because I saw you almost holding in all the emotions during certain seats. But the thing the thing that bothers me about, like, you joke, but there's a lot of people that really don't like this movie. I feel it's overexposure. Yeah, because it must be overexposure. Matt hates it. Yeah, he had to do babysitting and crap. Yeah. For that. But I think I, I think that's like the stigma that some people have too, like older people. I think that's why some people don't like Frozen. I don't like Frozen because of the because the oversaturation. Yeah, I haven't even seen the movie. You haven't seen the movie, but it's already so bland and in your face like that. And it kind of like in and that. The, and the reason why I'm cool with Lion King is because I was like three when it came out, yeah. so I didn't understand any of that. And it, it kind of it, oh my gosh, there's a cat. <laughs> there's, there's a lion right behind. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he was scared. He got scared. You didn't see his face. You just, like I just could tell he felt something furry and he's like <laughs> they hurt me this is the best podcast <laughs> I think there's just that um, it's kind of the way like I feel like someone will probably look at something like whatever popular it is right now like Star Wars Star Wars Marvel Marvel and be like oh, there's so much fucking shit yeah and then in 20 years people are gonna be like why, why isn't there more of this <laughs> yeah <laughs> Like, why isn't there more of what this is? Like, and then, yeah, the Frozen comparisons are apt in that case with oversaturation because this movie was everywhere. And though they're both well done stories and awesome, the oversaturation is what kills these movies. I think the first time I heard that comparison between Frozen and Lion King was with my brother, who's 13 years older than me. So he had to take care of me, and I probably rented, I probably watched a reference, talked about Lion King. As a little kid, like a thousand times, because I have distinct memories of him going, like he has a deep voice, and you're like, "Scar, brother, help me!" And like I, that's how I knew he knew it. Your brother's Patrick Stewart. Isma, <laughs> Isma, put up your hands. Good shit. But uh, and then I'm like, one time I was like, I'm like, fuck, I hate Frozen. It's everywhere. He's like, fucking hate Lion King. It was everywhere. It's not. It's the same shit. And I go, huh? Like I was like, that was the first time I was like, what? I was like. Is, is it like and then I, I would hear more people talk about it and then like just watching videos it's like everyone is crazy about the lion king and it was like shitty 90s news footage of jonathan taylor thomas in a press conference or mm-hmm. like, like press event and something like that i was like fuck it is everyone everyone's wearing like shitty 90s shirts of the lion king with <laughs> shitty 90s hats of the lion king <laughs> Just say shitty 90s. <laughs> you could just say the 90s. <laughs> oh, yeah, you can. Uh, Where all the labels and and logos were on the back of the shirts for some reason. Like a WWE shirt? Yeah. Oh, damn. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but, uh, the, no, yeah, like, it, it's everywhere and that oversaturation could just totally hurt it. And in many ways, I think it, it didn't really hurt this property because, one, it's the fucking 90s. <laughs> But I think what well, we didn't have the internet. Well, I mean, that's we, didn't, I have the, we didn't have the internet in its form. Because fro- the frozen thing, the frozen thing, is wor- is worse in that way because it's, it's now spra- the- it explodes. It explodes on the internet. Like exploding now is very different from like the '90s. I think. Yeah. It, it's like what can be a, like considered an explosion in the '90s is like a slow burn now. Yeah. Because underneath all that oversaturation and all that mass marketing, trying to get it out there, TV shows, spinoffs. Candy, crazy fucking parades at Disney I parks. That crazy crap everywhere is a very good movie and a very a, a strong movie. And yeah, I know I made that tweet between us with the fucking <laughs> Tangled and Lion King thing, and how I have an opinion. I like the story and Tangled a bit more, but they're both solid stories. That's yeah. the thing. And 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 animation wise, I think animation wise. This movie edges out t- Tangled like a motherfucker. Because <laughs> it is a glorious masterpiece, not done by, like, a computer. And it's... Computer animation I have no problem with. It's a, th- it's a bunch I, of people... I, yeah, it's, it's just as much hard work as, like, as traditional animation. Yeah, because it's a meticulous process. Yeah. And some people... And now it's, like, a, any... Not anyone, but, like, most, you could get a TV show and, like, normal CG. Yeah, it used to be, like, a big thing. I remember Beast Wars being, like... Beast, Beast Wars, Wars and like reboot. 
Re- Beast Wars reboot and like Starship Troopers were like really big shows because they were all CG. VR Troopers, you? Is it was that the Star Trooper? Uh, Star Starship Troopers one? VR Troopers? Was that what that one was That's called? That's what it was called. Yeah, okay, yeah. Starship no. Troopers. I, is... As a kid, I was like Starship Troopers. <laughs> as like, Starship VR. Troopers is a kick-ass Paul Verhoeven movie. <laughs> but yeah, like I was like so amazed by that. Like when I saw 3D animation like on TV, I was like, oh, they can do that now. Like they can do that on TV. Like I didn't. That's amazing. And here we here they use CGI in this for like the wildebeest stampede and all that. Yeah. But a majority of this movie is this gorgeous, well done, hand drawn style. Oh yeah, and we saw like the Blu-ray version, so everything's like reanimated and like recolored, and it's like I had never noticed the details before. Mm-hmm. And I was like, holy shit, they like put the work in. Yeah, and that's that's when they re- when Disney recolor stuff and like remaster stuff. It's always kind of a crapshoot. Because it could be, like, amazing balls to the wall, like, beautiful, like this movie is. Yeah. And, like, Aladdin is and stuff. Or it could be, like, why the fuck does Belle look off half the time in Beauty and the Beast? Oh, there's, t- there's times where it looks really off. And you could tell that they reanimated certain things because it doesn't mesh as well. Uh, same when, like, ever, like, sometimes when Gaston roves around. Oh, okay. It's like something's off there. Okay. Like, me and Jennifer have had debates. I was like... Bell looks like really. I think I've. I just barely saw Beauty and the Beast like last year. Because so. we were like, Bell looks more like like Latina than French of it. Oh, she was like really like a little more tan than usual. Not tan, like like it was just facial wise. Okay. Oh, like I, high I, eyebrows, high eyebrows and shit. I was like, ooh, something else. But like they go back and redo like stuff like Little Mermaid and like this and this movie in particular. It's it's like they know where to hit and where to work on and what to keep. What did you do? I think the thing that hurt with Beating the Beast is that they're still using the kind of the remaster they did for the IMAX. Oh, okay. Which is weird because Lion King was done redone for IMAX as well. Yeah. But I think the master they have is like the actual master master. Like, no, this is the one. Also, that they we probably could have learned from their mistakes. Yeah, they, I they, think I, they did. I'm, knowing Disney, they probably did the remasters in order of release. Yeah. And from the opening shot of this movie, you know this movie is like the peak of 2D animation. Oh yeah, definitely. After that, like, do you remember like the the knockoffs or like the attempted knockoffs of like the Lion King or at least what they were trying to do? Yeah. And then like you're like watching, you're like, oh, they're trying to do the Lion King, and then you watch the Lion King, you're like, I can't believe they tried to do the Lion King. You can't do the Lion King. Like, the only one, the only ones that have come close are the Simpsons with that great joke. Oh yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, okay, and because they do the cloud thing. I was like, oh yeah, that's kind of clever. But yeah. everything else, you're like, wow, people really like. I just, I just remember seeing like a lot of knockoffs to this. Like, I feel like there was like a lot of like jokes that people try to do, and it just, yeah, it wasn't effective because they would just do a cheap imitation of like this amazing thing. Yeah, like even in Kung Pao, I think does it. Yeah, probably. Yeah, they did like something like that, and it's like, yeah, it's a feel, really shitty CG. It looks so bad. And that's a really funny movie, but that's a really shitty end. Like I was like, I watched, I was like, man, that joke does not age well because that CG does not age well. No, but but my there, nipples every- look like milk duds. <laughs> <laughs> that is still a great joke. Though. That age is like, all right, go stop me before I go. Review <laughs> of Kung Pao under the Fist coming soon. Chosen <laughs> one. I'm coming. Okay, go, go. Stop. I love that joke. <laughs> I know, but I, I hate you so much. I gotta much. stop. Hurry. Because that joke reminds me of the Monty Python of running. <laughs> <laughs> Period off track, but amazing. Still, that movie. Go watch uh, Kung Pao Enter the Fist. If there's any takeaway you want. Let me show you my foot to face technique. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> Look, I really need to rewatch nah, nah, that nah. movie. <laughs> Neo, na 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 sporin. Oh crap! Get some But it you are right because it's like, why the fuck would you even try to compete with this movie? Because this is like, this is that pinnacle where everything that Disney has done in the past years. Because Disney still horrible sometimes mm-hmm. in their practices and right. behind the scenes, but gorgeous sometimes when it comes to animated movies. Not necessarily. It's amazing that this entire studio came out of animation. Yeah. This and mega corporate conglomerate <laughs> out of some dude going like, I just want to make some nice movies. <laughs> you ever think about that? Because yeah. I just wanted to make some animations. You know, mm-hmm. fuck it. Goes, yeah. Oh, wow. I own half the world. Who would have thought? Yeah, he himself, he wanted to make a whole city in Florida. I'm not surprised. Epcot was supposed to be that. We'll get to that. All right. <laughs> but 
Yeah. With this, it is it's taking the epicness and the scopes that they learned in like stuff like Saving Beauty, Black Cauldron, even fucking Beauty and the Beast, like ex- expanding upon that. They're learning. They're working with animals again, which is something that they did with like Bambi and Aristocats. Oh, and it shows. Yeah, it shows. Yeah, they're paying attention. Like the, lo- the other time they worked with animals before this was fucking Oliver and Company. I know. I know a lot of people didn't really like that movie, but I did. Uh, but I, I know the flaws in that movie. But but the thing that make that the the animation wise on that though is that Disney always knows how to like the Disney and the animators. Be it like the Nine Old Men, be it like Andrew Deja, Glenn Keane, all those people, they know how to do animals well because they studied it, they've researched it, they've researched the animation, they study. For this movie, I remember seeing bonus features. They brought in fucking lion cubs. It took a trip to Africa to study. Just the movements. They're fucking insane. No, yeah, but like it. And but they wanted beautiful. to get it right. They wanted to get as much right as they could. That scene where Simba's running in through the desert and like it's him running, you know, it's a wide shot of, of him running through the desert and then there's a shot of his paws. Mm-hmm. And it's like, holy shit. It's because you could tell that they paid attention. And it's, it comes from, it stems from back in the day when they used to study and they used to research like using actual actors, actual animals. Like for Bambi, they had to like study movements of fucking deer. And when you see Bambi or rewatch Bambi, I mean, like, they yeah. nailed it. Yeah, like when he's drinking water, he does the whole like split. Oh shit! I wasn't talking to the mic. <laughs> um, but yeah, when he drinking, yeah, he does that whole thing. The attention to detail is there. There is a point where though, where it does start veering off, and I think that's probably what you say, like late seventies to the eighties. Mm-hmm. And that's more because well, one, Walt Disney's dead. Two, the studio's under budget, and three, they're cutting corners a lot using a Xerox process. Which but is that, like yeah, where they copy and then they just kind of draw over. A uh, costume or the animal or whatever. Yeah, and the reason that was brought up was one to be cheap and two to help with one hundred one Dalmatian, which had one hundred Dalmatians. Yeah, uh, yeah, the A man. Walt Disney's like, we're gonna put one hundred one on screen. You're gonna get one hundred one. And I'm dead. <laughs> and I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> like the one guy animator's like, do we still have to do that since he's not around anymore? Or? He died. He died like five years after one hundred one. He was still around. <laughs> he's still kicking. He's like he watches it. Even that and movie, I could die. <laughs> even that movie in itself is fucking insane. For Cruella Deville's car, they built a model and then rotoscoped that. Goddamn, <laughs> I know. Because that movie actually looked that car always looked kind of CG to me. That's hand drawn because it's it's rotoscope. Rotoscope always kind of has that feel to it. Yeah. Anyways. Um, but this movie, I don't think they did rotoscope. They didn't rotoscope a goddamn. I mean, this is all done by hand. This is meticulous. Even that, there's that fight between Nala, like uh, when Nala and uh, Simba meet up again when they're adults and they fight. Yeah, and it's in the background. Yeah, for and the it, most part. it looks really good though. Yeah, or like even the scenery, like the landscapes, are beautiful. They're these beautiful mesh of watercolor of the traditional modern style. It's it's all blending together, and it's it brings to life the savanna. It brings to life this world from the elephant graveyard to the desert to the rich like oasis and jungles it's it's a gorgeous movie and it, it it's more than like it's a moment in animation that's like god damn this is great and then like disney i think from here like gets the pinnacle but then other movies after this borrow or like disney knows like okay this is what works because you get to something like hunchback of notre dame which is fucking grand in scale oh yeah the city you feel like they drew every building in in Paris. It is in Paris. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, dude. I was. I I just played. You're e- so. De- you're like. <laughs> I just played AC Unity, which is in France, and I'm like, I've been to the I've been to Notre Dame in the game. I'm like, is it? In my head is like, is it? Is it though? But they <laughs> no. You're not wrong. But it looks like they, they drew every building because they fucking did. <laughs> they drew every fucking building. Everything is there to my head and painting because they're fucking insane. But then it's weird because you go from that, like, beautiful, epic grandness, mm-hmm. and even Hercules that has growth grandness and Pocahontas, yeah. and then Mulan feels kind of bland. Because it's all covered in snow. It doesn't get grand until, like, what, the end? When yeah. they're in the uh, palace? Mm-hmm. With the fireworks going off? But there's, like, yeah, going back to Mulan, it's kind of a blank background for a lot of times. But I think, I, I don't know, maybe Because right. more of the beauty comes, like, in her hometown and stuff. And then they... I also Leave. feel like it kind of has to do with like old school Chinese like paintings, like not old school, but like eight, like the you know it would Water be like colors and the way because it'd be maybe like a maybe like a mountain in the back and then the like a pose of the yeah. character, 
Oh, maybe, okay. maybe, but you know, I'm not, I'm not a fucking animator. Maybe. I think also it's because uh, that, that that would be my guess yeah. because you could see it in that. But uh, another thing probably might be because that was like the first movie done by their Florida studio. But it's funny because like Jungle, less jungles would come into play in Tarzan. Tarzan, and, yeah. and I was thinking gorgeous. about Tarzan too, uh, in like terms of like scope and what could be done, mm-hmm. like the movement itself, like when he's like surfing through the trees yeah always like kind of amazed me yeah and it's that's a blend of 2d and cg yeah and it still looks good and then there's like there's like moments where they like pan out of the island that tarzan is on and it's like this amazing kind of tropical mountain range and stuff Mm -hmm. like that it's gorgeous and then you see that that is all because this movie treasure planet oh treasure planet that's a fucking when they get to the little satellite moon or whatever it is uh-huh. and it's like i know that's like 3d uh cg and but you're like holy shit no like, but by the time they like actually land on there yeah it's all these like fucking hand-drawn or when the, there's a moment where the kid is like surfing th- like when he has that like he like just drops and he's oh, surfs. The solar surfer yeah but it looks so cool when he like Dude, when he's going yes. through the, the canyon and stuff like that oh, we need to talk about atlantis is atlantis fuck, uh concept art by uh my favorite uh mike mignola creator of hellboy and uh lobster johnson uh like it like everything is so detailed but so like stylized at the same time Mm -hmm. and and you could see that it was this it's like the company's willing to go from there because they've already taken the risk back in 90 fucking four well they were and then they stopped yeah yeah now (laughs) milo's return was in the sequel we want Fuck you, Eisner. Uh, <laughs> Emperor's New Groove is another one to talk about. Like the, like they're Peruvian, right? Or are they are they Incan Peruvian, Incan. yeah. Like, and then uh, that in itself is another story. Oh god, we could get into that one. <laughs> Lilo and Stitch just does such a good job of like capturing like this Hawaiian spirit, but it still feels like such a small town that they live mm-hmm. in. Like you feel like, oh wow, they're in Hawaii, but it seems like a small town in Hawaii. Yeah. And but it's still like everything is still so detailed, like with the water coloring in the back and stuff like that. Yeah, and it, it's just because they know how to evoke and like put in that, put you into the world and put you into that. And Lion King is is the beginning of that whole thing. Now, other things that Lion King does is um, kind of more so started with Aladdin. Is now we're bringing in an all star cast of people. Yeah, which I'm okay with to a point. Yes, yeah, because. If I do, you have the same thing where like you feel like it should just be more voice actors. Well, voice actors are are actors. That's right. Because there and I so like a, a so I I always love voice actors. I've loved voice actors since I was a kid, and I I respect the hell out of them because you're still acting. Like they're not just doing funny voices. They're emoting. They're they're doing all these things. They're putting a performance in, and you even though it's on that screen through a animated thing, you're not. Um, you're still viewing this expression through the voice. A great example is that of that is uh, is it Jim Cummings? Yes. Yeah, he's still in like a lot of that those Disney movies that, for a time, and like a lot of people don't even realize that you know he was he's really big on TV. He's like so many characters. Yeah, and he's, he's half he's half the song of Scars. Like, uh, be prepared. Yeah, and he does an amazing job. And, at like, it. There are and some, he's Ed. Yeah, and there's so many other characters. There are so many other actors that like Jim Cummings who are that talented, that like it's almost like you don't even. It's sad that they're so good that you don't notice them. Mm-hmm. Like you didn't. Like I for a long time I didn't realize that that was actually him. He's he took over for Pooh. He took over for Tigger. He took over for the whenever they they need the snake from uh, Jungle Book Ka. They use him again because he could do pretty much. He could do Sterling Holloway. Yeah. yeah, there's so many good uh, voice actors. Mark Hamill himself, who originally was like kind of a on-screen actor became a great voice actor just <laughs> watch uh, i know that voice if you can watch that documentary watch it it's, it's so like, good it's amazing uh is it jo- uh john dimaggio or joe dimaggio john dimaggio john dimaggio who's the voice of bender and he does like all these other he's been on uh gravity falls a bunch as like side characters yeah it, and it's like these wealth of voice actors that deserve to be in more of these projects and i feel like yeah so going back to i almost went on a tangent is that i'm okay with the uh, with uh, big big names on the cast that's fine obviously you do have to sell a movie uh like especially like a big a big like motion picture like that yeah but that doesn't mean like a voice actor can't bring as good of a performance as someone else yeah especially yeah because with that said the people that they got to be in the lion king they're performing their ass off like nathan lane is also a really good 
actor. Mm-hmm. Like I, I love that Nathan Lane is in it. I can't imagine anyone else in that role. I think same so, goes for Jeremy Irons as well. Jeremy Irons, like, yeah, those, like, they make those roles. Uh, as much as, like, Rowan Atkinson, I feel like anyone can be Rowan Atkinson in that movie. Not be Rowan Atkinson, but anyone can be Zazu. Mm-hmm. And I feel the same thing for maybe young Simba. I do kind of like Matthew Broderick. I know we were, I know me and you were kind of shitting on Matthew Broderick's performance earlier. But something there's kind of a vulnerability in his performance of Simba that I kind of enjoy. Uh, but Simba, I feel like someone else, like, there are, like... I feel like a lot of other actors could have done it better. Um, there's like, what was it, Grey Delise? And then there's, um, she does, there's another actress who does a, a Raven's voice from Teen Titans. Oh, like, Tara Strong? Tara Strong. Like, they're really good at making these voice, voices, but, you know, they're not just like, oh, hey, I'm a little kid. They're like, they know how to emote and, like, make Sell these it char- well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they could have done just as good of a job um, as an actual 12 year boy like Jonathan Taylor Thomas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes, but <laughs> well, because like they they already have they already have the emotional maturity to understand things like that, and you know you know as much to Jonathan Taylor Thomas credit, the most that he can pull off is cocky. But that being said, he does that moment where uh, Mufasa's dying and he's like alone with his dad is like probably like a strong moment for him. And it, it, it's a strong moment because. But there are other moments between that, like I think when he gets caught in the um, the shadow place, the elephant graveyard. Like and he's supposed to be kind of scared or, or ashamed. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm you kinda... said, at, you said at one point he's like, "Man, you're a little dick." Like, well, yeah, because he's like, <laughs> he was as a, uh, the actions of, of of what he did were kind of dickish. Yeah. Um. But yeah, he was just like, just give voice actors more work. We're not. I'm. It's it's like twelve at night, and I I'm not uh, coherent enough to give a, <laughs> a better argument for that. But they they deserve work because they're really good actors. I mean, like. Uh, Tom Kenny, who's the voice of SpongeBob, is like an actually a really amazing voice actor, but mm-hmm. everyone only knows him for being SpongeBob. But that dude's really funny. <laughs> yeah, really he is. Good. He's fucking hilarious. Um, but yeah, no, dude, I agree. You give more voice actors worth. Like we saw the dub of like they had the like as much as as great as it is that they got the woman who plays uh Sarabi Mufasa's wife. Not that many lines. Yeah, you could have put anyone. You could have put anyone. Yeah, Zazu again with Zazu. Um, Rafiki, same. Cree Summer could have been Simba's mom. Yeah, there's only like maybe like three line, three roles that you that I felt probably necessitated the role. One of those for me would be James Earl Jones. Of course, he. he so I don't think anyone else could have done that. No, and I think they got. The, I got the. I think they got the right performance. I, I know there are people who could do like really deep, powerful voices, but there's a cadence to James Earl Jones's voice that just like sells it so well it sells it and it, it it not only that it's very commanding it very much is a father but also yeah but also very gentle when he's like i was a f-, like he like you know he's talking to somebody he's like i was a f-, like i felt fear today when i thought you were in trouble like it is just like so sincere and but like so still commands power simba i'm very disappointed in you i know you could have been killed you deliberately disobeyed me and what's worse you put nala in danger just trying to be brave like you. I'm only brave when I have to be. Simba, being brave doesn't mean you go looking for trouble. But you're not scared of anything. I was today. You were? Yes. I thought I might lose you. Oh, I guess even kings get scared, huh? Mm-hmm. But you know what? I think those hyenas were even scared. Because <laughs> nobody messes with your dad. Come here, you. Oh, no, no. Dad? We're pals, right? <laughs> right. And we'll always be together, right? And the beauty of the of that scene where he's talking about that also comes within the animation itself too, because he's looking down at Simba and you could see that sadness. And then it, you it, look at Mufasa's face, really, yeah. you look at Mufasa's face, and it's just as you said. Con- not only do you hear the concern, you see it, and it's like they this whole movie just pays because with animation you have to pay attention to every emotion and show it you can't just have the voice you have to show it too oh yeah it's a balancing act between the voice and the animator yeah and then uh a good another great example of that too is in all of scar yes like his entire thing is always constant like looks and expressions and 
side eyes and they all convey who he is and what he's thinking at that moment. Because at some points he could be a prissy piece of shit and sometimes he's like an intimidating being. Yeah. Or like a presence. Like the scene you brought up that you love is during the Will of the Beast Stampede, which in itself is this great when he, epic... When, he, when he's just prowling. Yeah. He's just like... Like he's like he looks like he's hunting. Yeah, and there and the, like the performance that he that Irons is giving when he's like looking at like when he's looking at Scar, but you could hear like him like when he just looks at Mufasa and you just hear long live the king. king. And there's so much power in just that, and then it also helps with the lighting of the animation. Oh yeah, that just and the zoom in and all yeah, all it's all. just that scene in itself is the circle of life. Brings you into this beautiful, awesome world. That scene is the fucking, be- the fucking terrifying, beautiful centerpiece of this whole movie. From there, it, it it just that's when everything starts to change. It's amazing how it changes because it's during that scene. Because I I actually do want to talk about the scene because I started noticing some parallels between this and another Disney movie from the past. So when Mufasa dies, we we have Simba because this is like our this is actually our first major like. I think in Disney, this is one of the first major character deaths that you actually see that isn't a villain. Like, it's... Uh, Bambi's mom is killed, like, off-screen. Right? Off-screen. Off-screen. Thank you. Thanks that you mentioned Bambi. And Lucky in Lady and the Tramp, the hound dog was supposed to get totally annihilated at the end by a carriage. Oh, Test uh, audiences weren't having that, and they added him into the Christmas sequence after. Okay. Which is weird, because if you watch Lady and the Tramp, that dude is dead. <laughs> Oh, wow. That is a dead dog. <laughs> You're just like, he's dead. And so with the Christmas scene comes up, I'm like, no, no, fuck that. You didn't walk away with a broken leg. You're dead. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's cool that you mentioned Bambi because that's the movie it reminded me of. Because not only is it, comparison you always hear, it's like, it's like when Bambi's mom died, it hurt. And yeah, when Bambi's mom dies, it's impactful. It's off screen. He's looking around. He's worried. And the person that com- he comes upon is the great prince of the forest. This figure that we've heard about and we've seen and appears from the shadow. And when he looks at Bambi, when he looks up, he just looks at him and goes, your mother can't be with you anymore. And from there, that's when you know that whole story is now changing. And he brings him in and takes him under his wing. So when it comes to this, there is that there's that moment where we have him looking around, seeing where his dad is. And we see the corpse of Mufasa and we see it there and he's... And you pointed it out. I didn't even know it at all that it's the same way Mufasa sleeps at the beginning when he tries to wake him up. It's like a similar. When, yeah, it's like, when you point it out, it triggered in my head like, oh shit, that's really powerful. But the thing that makes it powerful and gives me the Bambi perspective is, is that, that Scar comes out of nowhere. Scar comes out of nowhere as a shadow, just like the Great Prince of the Forest. But it's a Except, juxtaposition. Exactly. It's yeah. a juxtaposition of Disney's own thing. The person, the stranger, the one that's kind of there. Because Simba knows Scar, but they're not they're, they're not, not homies. Familiar, yeah. We know of Scar's presence. Whereas in Bambi, the Great Prince of the Forest is like, here's the change. It's going to be good from here on out. Where the dynamic change. This is someone, he even walks in the same way, the same stance. Simba, what have you done? There were wildebeest and you tried to save me. It was an accident. I, I didn't mean for it to happen. Of course, of course you didn't. No one ever means for these things to happen. But the king is dead. And if it weren't for you, he'd still be alive. From there, that's that's our story change. But it's not in the, oh, things get better. It's like, you're fucked. Yeah, it definitely, like, it definitely shows, like, the kind of the rumination of his plans like succeeded. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the closest. This is a Disney villain that succeeded. Uh, I mean, he didn't kill the the hero, but he succeeded in everything else. Yeah, and he succeeds for however long it takes for a, Simba a, to become uh, yeah, a fucking full grown. Yeah, full grown, which is probably like a year or two. <laughs> I did like that thing he said when Scar at the fu- at the funeral, like, "Oh, he's gone." All right. <laughs> it was all. <laughs> It's like, oh, now that Mufasa's gone, it will take some time to build up a new government and regime. 
Luckily, I already have this army of hyenas coming with me. That would have probably taken me months and maybe even a year or so to build in, but they're already here. Uh, how did that happen? Well, don't, let's not bother asking questions about these things. Dude. <laughs> it's not like I saw this coming or anything like that. Why, why be set sweat from his fucking like brow? Yeah, it's it's that juxtaposition because like we 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 know things when we find from here. It's like we don't know everything's gone to crap. We don't know what happens, but we but uh, unlike Bambi, we don't get weird singing fucking birds bringing in the springtime immediately after well we do get a kuna matata right after yeah that's another app, but come on which one's better <laughs> i haven't seen bambi you never seen bambi no what never seen bambi i know it though but i haven't seen it you motherfucker i know thumper gets fucking laid I bring up this whole point about Bambi. Hey, you were on a roll. That was really good. <laughs> Thanks. But motherfucker. I knew it. I knew it. It's an old ass movie. I've, I've learned it through all Don't worry. Stuff. If you want to know what happens between the time Bambi goes from mom deaf to uh, fully grown, they have Bambi a sequel, too. a midquel, in which the Great Prince of Wars is voiced by Patrick fucking Stewart. <laughs> it's pretty good, actually. Like, the movie's all right. <laughs> but you're watching it for Patrick Stewart. <laughs> Shut up, Bambi. What else is there to say about the Lion King? It doesn't the say music. sex in the dust. It oh, does not say sex oh, in the dust. Oh, we're very different wavelengths. <laughs> we do. You uh, fuck the 90s conspiracy. We, we could talk about music. <laughs> it says sound of uh, special effects, you dickheads. Yeah, it says SFX. Get your head out your ass. <laughs> oh, and uh, in, li- in Aladdin, he do- they do not say good teenagers take off clothes. It is go kitty take off and go fuck off with that shit however the there is a dick in little mermaid yes there's a dick on the cover of the original vhs of the little mermaid also there's a nude woman in the original vhs copy the remastered the re-released 1999 version it's still of there rescuers it's still there is it still there i think it's still there no they took it out i have the blu-ray they took it out because someone snuck it into a frame they wouldn't be able to see i forgot if they asked the dude who drew the dick on little mermaid's like why'd you drew a dick in there he's like I just wanted to see if it could. Like, I think that was his thing. He's like, I just wanted to see if they would notice. Like, so he just put it in there and see what they think. And I remember, like, the the fears everyone has. Like, what if this makes my child gay? It's like, that's not going to make you gay. <laughs> uh, I mean, if you, you'll know he is if he's really into it. But, like, <laughs> but, like it's not, that's not, not, not going to be the thing that makes him gay. You can't see how Patrick's saying it, but what you said, <laughs> if he's really into it, your eyes got really wide. Like, really- Maybe you know, just a little. But I remember, like, I remember someone had it. I I knew a kid who had it. And he goes, "There's a dick on the cover." I was like, "Oh, okay." He goes, "Isn't that gay?" I was like, "I don't know." Like, I don't think it he is. Goes, <laughs> like he just, I remember I told him that, and he just stared at it. He goes, "Yeah, it's a dick." <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, All right, "I'm gonna go play now." I just like ran out of the room. That's a dick. Um, I was like nine or ten. So speaking of dicks, Elton John. <laughs> I heard Elton John's a, a nice man. No, he likes dick. Oh, that, well. that was the t- that was a horrible segue. <laughs> yeah. uh, Elton John's an awesome person. He did it, it but fuck him for Romeo and Juliet. But everything other than that, we saw it on. He didn't know me on Juliet. He added his music to it well, and produced it. Oh, he produced okay, it. Never mind. That's yeah. different. <laughs> <laughs> That's something he had faith in. Thought was going to be good for some reason. Hey, got a sequel. With Sherlock Gnomes. Because who the fuck doesn't want to see Sherlock? If it's, is it voiced by Better to Cover Batch? Then I'm not watching Johnny it. Depp. No, I'm definitely not watching <laughs> it. <laughs> but uh, uh, no, the music in this is it's awesome because you got the aforementioned Hans Zimmer score that we talked about. But it's blended with El- uh, Tim Rice and Elton John's music as well. And that great scene where Simba's uh, fighting to Saturday Night's all right. <laughs> and then when he then when Simba returns, I'm a bitch. I'm a oh. bitch. I'm a. I want to see that movie. You know, I should make that a special edit, <laughs> the special special edition of the Lion King, Elton, the '70s Elton John, '70 <laughs> Elton John. <laughs> Instead of Circle of Life, it's Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me. It's well done. It's well orchestrated, and like they don't feel like they don't blend in, like mis mishmash. Oh, they they work well together. They combine yeah. well. Yeah. yeah, like be prepared is fucking marvelous. As oh yeah, well. the only one I don't really like is um, I just can't wait to. Be we King. share the same sentiments on that. Uh, I just uh, even outside of the video game thing. Yeah, I really do not like that song. 
because it it does one of the things I hate, which is it's a musical that has nothing, no bearing on the story. Yeah. The only one that gets a pass is Can You Feel the Love Tonight because it's so well animated and yeah, it just sounds nice. Surrender. Oh, also Hakuna Matata, but that's just because it's catchy. I, I, I agree with that. Um, And, uh, of course, as I said to you before we started recording, Tim Rice and Elton John would go on to do our favorite underrated uh, DreamWorks movie that the internet seems to love, The Road to El Dorado. That's a fucking... We've already said our That's piece. That's a great movie. I mean, uh, yeah. Yeah, we said our piece on the Prince of Egypt episode. Go ahead and watch, uh, listen to that and hear Patrick talk about his... Uh, me and Patrick talk about how we found Shell very attractive. You know why? Why? Because it was what was Prince. <laughs> and what is Rose, why, There we go. I think we can get some final thoughts now. How's that what we're doing? Cause, oh, yeah. Because so, we've already been on this for an hour and six minutes. Not counting the intro? Counting the intro. Not counting the intro. Overall, I think the movie's like still holds up very well, um, especially this Blu-ray edition. Yes. Um, I've really appreciated the... I've, I, actually, in this one, I, I think I've noticed the animation more than I have anything else. I think before I used to look, just look at the story, I think once I even looked at the musicals and I was like, oh, this, this, movie, this song suck. <laughs> Uh, but this time I think I was looking more of, more at an animation perspective and cinematic perspective. Like a lot of it is, this is a very cinematic movie. Like it they, is. They shoot it. They they drew this and animate this to be very as cinematic as they could get it, and it helps drive their story as simple as it is. And it's kind of a, even though it's kind of a stripped down version of Hamlet, uh, the cin- uh, the use of cinema techniques in this really drive this film to be what it is. Yeah. Uh, Notwithstanding, I, I really think I just can't wait to be king. Uh, weakens the film, to be honest. It uh, does. I don't know that though. I also think the cast, well, at least like in in terms of uh, James Earl Jones, Jeremy Iron, uh, Nathan Lane, are do a really good job in their. Uh, also, uh, Matthew Broderick also do very good uh, in performing the roles. A lot of the other roles, as great as like I do like them, are kind of like supplementary. Like they didn't, they weren't necessary, but they're there anyways, and uh, I enjoy them for at least putting in the effort they did uh but really though like the the credit goes to the animators of this film uh you you really look at every ounce of um work they put into it with with each frame yeah this movie does like it ages amazingly it's just as good the first time you watch it as the second time unless you have kids which might be different you might hate it um i would give it a five out of five this shit is still in my top five favorite disney movies i've ever fucking made and at least my top five favorite animated movies of all time because this movie is a marvel of animation stunning from beginning to end it still wows me seeing it re-released years ago was also just a stunning experience this is a movie you have to see on the big screen or if you have a really nice fucking tv at home in the blu-ray watch the heck out of it and it's it's well done from its animation. Like its animation is stupendous. It is the pinnacle to the animation, and you can see why it made that much money. It's astounding. It's new. It's exciting. It's creative at times. It's just a gorgeous work of art, and that's what you expect out of not just Disney, but out of animation in general. You're there to see a work of art. You're there to see sto- a great story. You're there to be wowed and see all these artists, all these people come together to one common goal which is as all of cinema usually is but you see the drive you see the passion you see what they wanted to make and that's why lion king gets its five out of five because in itself is pretty perfect you know what also came out in 1994 what the flintstones this summer from universal pictures and amblin entertainment steven spielrock presents the flintstones wasn't gonna mention it you fucker also interview with a vampire Ooh, i like that. these were uh, the highest grossing films in 1994 oh <laughs> and you know what else what a clear and present danger with who harrison you fucking right it's harrison you find him you find it you find the one her man that does it for us on this very long <laughs> haven't done a long one in a while <laughs> yeah uh, of the lion king who knew the lion king would be the one it's we're almost i remember you kept saying like oh yeah it's short our podcast is about the length of the movie honestly i was just letting you just talk about disney thank you i just know you like talking about disney yeah well next time you get to talk all you fucking want because next time but next time you get to talk more because it's about a property you know and actually like batman forever <laughs>
Because you like Nothing that, man. Nothing like a kiss from a rose on the flame. Ooh. I think one of the first things me and you talked about when we met was Batman Forever. Yeah, I think it was. I think that was like one of the things. I was like, that's a great movie. And you're like, what the fuck's wrong with you? <laughs> I think that was your kind of sentiment. You're like, what? I have a beautiful appreciation for Batman Forever, which we'll get more into on the next episode. Oh, it's easy. For a long time, I thought that guy was a character, and I kept trying to figure who the fuck that was. Really? I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? Why are we this making guy so- with hearing aid who screams about acid? <laughs> but they made it seems like he stuck out so much, you know? Maybe we'll, it was just we'll me. get to it till we get to it. God. Holy fucking crap. We're already going too long. Lion King is about as long as our podcast right now. Patrick, where can they find you? I am on Instagram at Pacha the Great, Tumblr at PachaTheGreat.tumblr.com. Find me on Humane Ramblings. Uh, also on Snapchat if you under the same handle if you want to look at that. Awesome. And you can find me at Serge Barrett on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat if you're into that. You can also find this beautiful podcast hosted at filmweekpodcast.com, SoundCloud slash filmweekpodcast, soundcloud.com slash filmweekpodcast. On all podcast apps, iTunes, Stitcher, exception Spotify, of course. You can find us there. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at Week, And you can also find us at filmweekpodcast.tumblr.com. Ooh, it's delicious reblogs. All there. All for you. We are sure to follow you back as well. Next time we will do the illustrious, beautiful, the remarkable, effervescent Batman Forever. But until then, as always, we end with our context line from the film. Didn't your mother tell you to not play with your food?